Bezrat Hashem, this is Parashat Korach 5779. I've decided to just start translating and offering somewhat of a commentary or an explanation on this beautiful work, Mishnah Chabad, a very beautiful work that is culling together many statements from the tremendous Chabad tradition, which is coming to explain the writings of the Arizal and such. A tremendously accessible way uh, sort of on the playing field of how to explain the Arizal and it's very good so I'm jumping in kind of about one-sixth of the way through into the book it's a 400 something page book I'm not going to do the whole thing uh, and some topics to me just aren't as uh, appropriate for what I want to record here. So let's just begin. We're starting on page, this is from Rabbi Moshe Miller Shlita. We're on page 84 of the Sefer in the second chapter of the topic of the Hashrab Koach, the idea that Hashem and his infinite power was already measuring out within himself, so to speak, all of the existences and experiences that would flow forth later. Kind of like somebody designing the entirety of what they're going to do. They are carving this out within themselves. They are preparing to, say, do something simple, like buy a list of grocery items at the store. So they're writing a list they're planning the time. This is obviously the Hob deal. This is obviously extremely, um, this is just an analogy to, so to speak, how Hashem created the world, that he, so to speak, created a list within his ineffable will of everything he was going to carry out. And everything that's going on is just experiencing that checklist being pulled out from potential to actual. Obviously, lots to say on that. That's why there's about 400 more pages. So he says, That there's a statement kind of in a way that kicks off the Zohar. It says, Which is roughly translated, and there's like 30 different translations or more, you know. It's a very, very deep statement, but in the beginning of, this, of the desire of the King Hashem, his desire to rule, he was carving out carvings in the upper pure space, which he's been explaining means that when Hashem desired that he would like to rule, he would like to show his rulership, which Rabbi Nachman tells us in the Aran, that the whole reason that Hashem desired to create the world was that he wanted to reveal his mercy through his kingship, which means that he wanted to show how he would mercifully manage a world. And so for every moment of history, there was a particular desire within the will of Hashem, so to speak, for that moment of history, that that moment of history should either when it is experienced 
or at least retroactively reveal how it was just another puzzle piece in the unfolding plan of the Creator. And this is the way we need to live our lives and experience the events that go on, is every moment is an unfolding process building towards one goal. Every moment, every element, every item is an essential part of the process. Why? Because every moment that unfolds, we actually need to see it as a reflection of something that was carved out in the ineffable will in the King Hashem's desire to rule. So what we experience presently, what we've always experienced and what we will always experience is, was, and will be a facet of one plan, one desire to express Hashem's ultimate gila, His ultimate revelation. Okay. When you say in Hebrew the word for letter, which is ot, aleph vav taf, this shares the etymology with the word of drawing forth and revealing. Why? Like it says in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 2, Va'ata kodesh. It says that he is coming with his uh, myriad holy legions. And the word for that he is approaching or coming is va'ata. He's approaching. And that is the etymology of ot, a letter. Why? As also says in Isaiah chapter 21, verse 12, ata voker, that the, the morning has approached. And that word again for approach is ata, aleph taf hey, which is the same etymology as letter ot, aleph of taf. adam, for example, like a person, that the way a person is revealing and drawing forth and causing uh, an expansion from inner to outer of his thoughts and his emotions is through the letters of speech, through the language of thought that helps him reveal his thoughts to himself, even still within his own mind, or when he'd like to then express that out to another through the letters of language and speech. So that letters have this basic function of causing an inner meaning to come out and approach to an outer level. Right. Right, like, like we just said. And so what we're talking about right now is, so to speak, this idea of what's called the letters of the Rishimu that exists before the Simpson, before the major hiding of Hashem's light before he created the world. Which is saying here that there's this concept of before creation, this great 
carving out of the letters or of the plans of approach or like the plans or intentions of revelation before they even start revealing. Obviously, Hashem doesn't need to do this in order to manifest the world. But the world that he desired to create was created in this way. That there would be this, so to speak, for lack of a better term right now, an inner checklist developed within the essential will of Hashem, his essential will to create the world. So within that essential, ineffable will, there was this, so to speak, uh, measuring out or meeting out in potential, in preparation of this idea of letters, which would be creating the parameters for the future approach, for the future unfoldings of all existences. That, as we said, that letters is coming from the etymology of to approach, to move forth and cause an approach from an inner level to an outer level, the way that the letters of speech allow the mind to be revealed to another. So this level of creation and this extremely primal beginning level of creation would be this, so to speak, stage where just as a person is preparing what he'd like to say and like to do, so to speak, there's this whole divine motion in an extremely high place of, a, of the creator, so to speak, preparing within his will the letters, the forms of how he'd like to make his approaches once he then starts creating the world. And this is why this preparation is called Glyph Glyph of Law, that he's carving out letters in the pure place. And in general, then, what we see is when we look into our own experience, we see that basically we are dealing with the idea of letters and language in the manner we have been describing on two planes, on the plane of thought and on the plane of speech. And so to speak, we can understand, we can see a reflection and reflect back from our experience to, so to speak, a more general level of experience of, so to speak, how the Creator is creating the world, which is that when we reflect on our own thoughts, we can see generally that our own thoughts ultimately, ultimately is reflecting the general idea of the world that was prepared before it was created just like in our own thoughts, up there is where we are sketching out and carving out what we're going to do before we do it, before we express it. In the idea of the letters and language of thought, these elements of carving out within ourselves the format and the plan of how we'd like to come out and approach the world before we actually do it, so that everything that then comes out in what we eventually do is only an unfolding and an unpacking of that original checklist, so to speak, that we um, 
formulated within ourselves that this is the experience of thought. So that whole experience in our humanity is ultimately, ultimately supposed to be reflecting these mysterious processes that were occurring before the major, the main creation of the world in a constricted space of darkness. Versus when we, when we um, reflect on speech, our experience of speech, that we are basically seeing that this is reflecting more the creative process of revealing that inner checklist, so to speak, outwards into a space of darkness, into a space outside of ourselves. That's our experience of speech and expression into the world. And this is why we know that the Torah is telling us in the very first verses that Hashem was creating the world with speech. Because this speech, in a sense, was only just reflecting and is continuously only just reflecting what was in those inner thoughts of Galif Galifa Batari Law, of that inner preparation, that inner carving out of desire of how am I going to approach, how am I going to express, the speech is just then expressing that out. Like a person should ideally think before he speaks, right? So, Kibiyachal by Hashem is the same way, so to speak. That in the world he created, in the nature that he created it, he did it in such a way that he thought, so to speak, before he spoke. Okay, and that's what we're talking about now. We're talking right now about the thinking before the speaking. All right. All right. Now he's saying now, what is their extremely, extremely important thing to understand when you talk about this? inner language of thought, this inner planning or carving out within the interiority of, a, of an essence and his will in the preparation of speech and action, that is a very different type of letter system or system of planning and approach or system of carrying out an approach, which are letters. The letters in that first stage are extremely of, a diff- of an extremely different type than the letters of expression in the second stage of speech and expression outwards. That the metaphors that are offered are the metaphors of carving out letters versus writing letters like ink on parchment. So when you talk about, and he's going to explain, when you talk about carving out letters what you're talking about is that these formatted expressions of planning and approach, which are these letters, when we say that they are carved in this level of the upper intention, that we see that when you look at the idea of carving letters, you're seeing that the letters that they are being carved onto an item they are completely and inherently one with the material that they are expressing on. As opposed to 
the idea of letters being the idea of ink written on parchment, which is how we write a Torah scroll, where in that scenario of writing, the constitutive material of the letters is foreign to and separate from the constitutive material of the space that is being written on so that the ink (coughs) is a different material than the parchment. It's not that way, however, with carving. Okay, this is, we can understand this. Carving is just that. There are spaces being carved out in the solid item itself, in the gem itself or the stone itself, such that the letters are inherently one with that medium that they are expressing on. And even more than that, says the Rebbe here, what the carving accomplishes is it actually is showing, hey, this wasn't just a solid block of gem. This wasn't just a solid block of rock. Actually, it is and always was this item that contained all these letters of expression. Proof is, proof is that when the letters are actually carved out from the gem or the rock or whatever, it's only showing since this gem or this stone always had the capacity to express these letters, proof is that they're now expressing by being carved out in the stone. Actually, those letters were always in the stone. It's just that you had to carve it to reveal it, but they were always there. All right, that's just, we have to take that as a philosophical, logical axiom and also a very deeply spiritual one, which then is to say that when we talk about this stage of creation, where, so to speak, the creator is planning out and carving out within his own inner will what he wants to do. So in this analogy, the metaphor given by the Zohar that we're explaining here is the idea of carving out letters, not in gems, but in the light of the will of the creator, which means that we can imagine, so to speak, and we're talking in the highest places imaginable, okay? We have to be very careful, but we can, so to speak, And the Zohar is encouraging us to think about the idea of the endless will of the Creator, the endless possible expressions of the Creator as like this endless just wall of light, just endless, endless power. Just we can think conceptually, philosophically, categorically about this light, this upper will, this upper power of the creator, which is endless as simply being in its enormous totality, the potential power of anything, anything ever with no end. That's why it's called Ain Sof. No end, literally no end. And that's why this light does not directly create our world. Because if this light directly created our world, there'd be no end. There would be no definitions whatsoever that we could experience. And so what we're saying here, though, is that the first act of creation is, so to speak, a pre-creation where there is this carving and this upper endless wall of light of, of power and possibility and potential of the creator's powers that he is intentionally carving out 
from within that endless power a limited plan, a limited checklist, so to speak, which is going to be the ultimate guiding parameters of what the Creator desires to specifically reveal in this world. And the Ramchal makes it very clear in that beautiful Sefer, that you can't ask, well, why was this the checklist of our world? You can't ask, why didn't he pick a different checklist? Why didn't he carve out a different approach, a different intended approach within his ineffable will? Why this, why these parameters and why not that parameter? Why me, you know? <laughs> like, because these parameters are defining everything about what everyone is and what they go through. You can't ask that, says the Ram Paul. This is where you just simply must say, and you are not allowed to say anything else, but this is exactly what the Creator decided was perfect. And I cannot question why these parameters and not these those parameters. That's just according to Jewish thinking. You just have to understand that that's the boundary of your questioning. You can understand that this occurred and that these parameters were selected within his inner will and within his inner intention and preparation before the creation. But you can't ask why those parameters. You just have to say it was, he knew it was absolutely perfect. And so, a Musr Lahaskil, just a, a general appre, uh, appreciative thought we can have every day, is if we're going to say, well, everything we've ever been through and everything we're currently going through is just playing out some facet of this inner checklist, so to speak, that was carved out of the solid block of endless light, pre- preparing within his, within his ineffable will this particular world he wanted to create, if everything that ever goes on and unfolds is just another unfolding facet of that experience, well, then everything is perfectly good. Somehow. Okay. All right. Fine. Now, just one more very important thing. It's like, okay, so since we're saying that in the level of carving letters is a very different level than the level of writing letters on a parchment. The level of speech, the level of what we actually experience in creation is tied to the idea of the idea of writing letters on a parchment where the ink is a separate item than the parchment and it's like enclosing on the parchment. It's like wrapping up the parchment. And even though we say philosophically that guess what? that blank parchment ain't so blank at all. That, that seemingly blank white parchment is actually also representing endless white light, endless possibility. Proof is that any letter can be expressed on that parchment, any letter you want to write. So let's just say that, therefore, since that letter doesn't get a foothold in existence to express without being written down on the parchment. Therefore, in a sense, the parchment is containing all of those letters already. And all that's happening, and this is how it's described, all that's happening when you're writing down a certain letter on the parchment with the black ink, 
what you're doing is you're creating a garment to suddenly reveal that, oh, that Aleph or that Bet was always contained within that parchment, ready to express. And what's happening when you write the letter down is you're simply creating a portal to see, oh, actually, this is what the parchment, these are all the different meanings that are inherent in this parchment. It's a very deep thing. It's a very, very deep thing. It means to come and tell us that all things which can be used to express through writing or whatever it may be are teeming with consciousness like the parchment and that when we when human beings come and write something down all they're doing is they're revealing the inner potentiality of that material like the parchment to express something but in the movement of writing so in that movement of writing there's a clearly defined separateness between the ink and the parchment. They're two separate items. Which then we can extend that analogy and say, well, if the whole idea of creation in a dark space of constriction where things are flowing out one at a time and we're not seeing the essential light directly, if that's being compared to the idea of the writing of letters of ink on a parchment. So what we can basically appreciate is that the process of our world is where you have different levels interacting, lower levels interacting with higher levels to draw out meanings and information and experience from higher levels. So if the idea of the ink, the black ink, is on a lower level than the white parchment. Why? Because the white parchment is that all-powerful source that could express potentially an unlimited amount of meanings. Whereas the black ink, when it's written on the white parchment, is something that is coming to put a limitation on the parchment that it should only express that letter, that word, that sentence. So then we see that this experience of expressing language through writing, which is, an, which is a metaphor and an analogy for our lower world of expression, where the idea of the white parchment, the idea of the merciful, all-encompassing desire of the creator, which is imagined here as like a white parchment, a, a seemingly blank scroll which is actually containing all of the future expressions as the Kabbalists tell us that so to speak the world is like a book that is being written currently it's a story that is unfolding and literally the letters are going on the page right now as we speak the letters are continually being written on this upper parchment but we see that in that process of creation where letters are constantly being written on an upper parchment creating new forms, new vessels every moment for another moment and another moment to so to speak be pulled out from the endless white light of the parchment to come down in the form of what's going on right now which is being 
effectuated by this hand which is writing letters on the parchment minute by minute which is actually what is creating our experience by creating filters and portals to bring down this experience and this experience we see that that process is in a le- in a manner where those darker elements that are creating filters and portals and differences and limitations on the idea of the white parchment since they are of a separate identity from the parchment itself so then we see that it is in a manner of different levels of reality interacting with each other where a lower reality is placing a limitation on a higher reality that is in a sense distinct from it in order to create an experience like let's put it this way we talked a little bit earlier about how do plants work from a spiritual philosophical perspective we say that you know it's really fascinating but what is a plant what is a flower what is a tree what it is really is that since now listen carefully this is this is this is going to bring it home since a plant for example a, a shrub it can't exist without sun water or soil or air those elements that create it so what happens is is that it starts as a seed as a seed it's tiny it's dark it's in the ground it's cold it's got nothing right then sun and water and air and all this good stuff starts to pour into that seed and out grows the plant. Guess what the plant actually is doing though? The plant is actually coming to say, you see how I completely depended upon that sunlight and air and water, etc., to live? Actually what I'm doing, says the plant to us, so to speak, is I'm showing you these colors of mine, these shapes of mine, these qualities of mine are, so to speak, actually in the ethereal life-giving qualities of the sun, the water, the air, and the soil that gave me life. Like, I'm actually coming to show you crystallized sunlight in a certain shape and in a certain color because my shape, my color, was actually in the sunlight itself. Proof is, I wouldn't be here without that sunlight. So in a way, in a sense, that sunlight was containing me. Just it had to be deposited into my seed. Same for the water, etc. So then you have this image of you have a seed down there in the ground. Then on the other hand, you have these energy sources, these diffuse, colorless, basically shapeless, basically energy sources of water, air and, and sunlight up on a higher level serving so to speak as like the parchment that's going to allow for the expression of the letter of this seed so that follow this so you have this beautiful relationship where just as a seed was is this dark tiny thing which all of a sudden when it gets connected to and plugged into light and heat and water and stuff and air the two merge and out the other end comes this third synthesis which is this growth 
which is expressing through the limitation of the seed hey this is actually a quality of sunlight all of these shapes and branches and colors it's just coming out and displaying to you now in a congealment in a crystallization in the shape and form and nature of this plant so this is a general way of understanding how you have a dark lower element that's totally bound up and tiny and 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 crushed together in the in a seed-like potential when it gets plugged into the idea of of like endless white light which is like the sun and the in the water and these things now you have an unfolding process when they get plugged in this is the image of in general is also an image of the idea of black ink which is like the seed being written on the parchment which is like the air and the sun and the water and when the two merge out comes a growth out comes a moment okay out comes a moment which is expressing as much as it's expressing the seed-like potential of that moment it's also expressing the ground of existence that is giving life to that moment the way that the letters of parchment are expressing, hey, there's actually all this hidden meaning. There actually was all this hidden meaning in the parchment itself. Okay? That whole dynamic process, though, is categorically different than what we're talking about. All of that type of interaction where you have a lower black ink or a lower seed interacting with an upper white parchment or an upper zone of light or what, what like we're talking about that's all post creation that's all happening now what we're talking about though and we'll end with this is the other type of forming letters which is the type of carving if what we've just been talking about for the past 10 minutes in this analogy of writing on the parchment or the analogy of growths and plants that's an idea of again you have the ink over there and the parchment over there and the two interact, here we're talking about something very different, which when you're talking about carving, what you're talking about is that there is no lower level and upper level merging together to express each other. Rather, what you're talking about is that there is just one essence, which is called endless ineffable light of will, which is like a solid block of light, so to speak, that's of endless potentiality. It's Ain Sof. It's endless possibility, endless power. And in this stage of Galif Galifa Batari La, Baresh Harmanuta Damanka, this stage is that there's a carving. There's a carving out of a planned approach or intention for the world. And all that it's doing is that it is revealing that within the endless power and ability of the Creator before He creates anything, there was always this particular checklist for this particular type of universe. And so in this stage of creation, which is really pre-creation, Hashem, when it says that he's like, so to speak, carving in his endless light, he, what it means is he's just siphoning out and drawing forth that this is a particular type of world that I could have desired. And when we say a particular type of world that I could have desired, it's not just saying, oh, planet Earth. It has the scientific properties. It's got these four basic elements. It's going to have people and animals. No, way beyond that, what we're talking about is the world really is the planning out and carving out of history itself.
the mo unfolding moments themselves, that's what constitutes our reality. We have to understand that, like, if, if a person can make that switch within themselves, and that's really, like, that's why we're talking about this, okay? Because, I mean, in other words, like, why are we talking about what happened before creation? What does it have to do with us? Because it tells you that when we say that the Creator was carving out his intentions for this world, that we understand by tradition that he's not just saying, oh, these will be really nice, workable, scientific proportions and chemical properties and that's a really good periodic table of the elements and if the planet earth is just so connected to the sun and this far from the sun it's going to be a good world that's not what we're saying i mean it's part of what we're saying but what we're really saying is that the creator was designing within his own will so to speak or pulling out of his own endless will so to speak a certain design of the universe which was always possible but that the constitu constitu constitutive elements of that universe are not just its scientific properties metaphysical properties that there should be so many angels so many powers of god no what it's it's saying way way more than that and way more all-encompassing than that it's saying that he was carving out the entire unfolding process of it and the entire reason for it and why each event would lead to the next one. And so we can appreciate in our lives that what we are always seeing is this unfolding plan of the Reish Harmanuta Damalka of that original, so to speak, checklist being set up within the, the desire of the Creator. What we're looking at then is that every moment in, in the moment that's coming out, we, we can meditate on creation, not just as, wow, look at how, look at how beautiful its structure is, but wow, look at how amazing its unfolding events are also. We should understand it, I mean.